Good morning. I am Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here. I'm really glad you're here with us. We are in week three of the series called Peace by Peace, Building Our Faith One Brick at a Time. So this is week three, and we're taking steps to strengthen our faith, to understand what it means to build it with God. You know, in the, in the story of Nehemiah, we learn what it means or what it takes to build something. And for some of us, what it takes to build something that may have been destroyed. If you've ever gone through, you know, whether it's a, a crisis or faith or, or, or uh, you know, a big trauma in your life, and sometimes you feel like you're having to pick up the pieces off the ground, we're kind of taking these steps like, okay, what does it look like to rebuild this? You know, for some, we're taking another step in a long journey, uh, but a journey that sets us more and more free. And, and that's what this journey should be doing. And if it's not, it's an indication that we have to look at something. For others, it feels like we're starting from scratch. And so wherever you are, Nehemiah teaches us it will take focus and intentionality and hope. Colossians teaches us that our faith springs up from hope. And as we remain in hope, our faith is, is built into something that is impenetrable. And it's something that we just, we won't live without. So this word faith, um, I, I was talking about this in our, in our gifts class last week. Um, it's amazing to me because, like, English is one of the most difficult languages to learn. Um, it's like Mandarin and Cantonese, you know, the Chinese languages, and then English are, like, the difficult languages to learn. And yet, when it comes to Scripture, when it comes from, like, Greek to English, the English language doesn't actually quite capture all the, uh, all the meanings that we see in Scripture, either in Hebrew and Greek. And so this word faith actually has a lot of meanings as we look at it throughout Scripture. And so we've gone over a few so far, and we're going to look at other understanding, other understanding of it. So we're, going to, so we're building it in every part of our lives. Okay, so we will look at, hey, what is, what is this whole definition of faith so that we're building, it, building ourselves up completely? This series will give us a foundation that we can build on in our, in our VCs, our small groups, and in our personal relationships with God. So our first definition of faith came two weeks ago. It was this understanding that faith is, is the inaction of the kingdom of God. That faith is that, that with our faith, we are partnering with God to see the kingdom of God move in action. So what is the kingdom of God? It's God's rule and reign on earth. It's God's shalom on earth. Everything right, everything whole, everything well, peace everywhere we go. And that, that happens through our faith. That's what we saw with Jesus. We also learn that with that, that with just a little bit of faith, like with this, 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 the tiniest bit can spark everything. That's what scripture teaches. That's what the kingdom teaches. And that's what we've seen in our experiences. That God's way is exponential. It's not additive. Last week, Mark gave another definition of faith. The substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen as described in the book of Hebrews, that as we respond to God's leading, even when, and especially if we can't see it, our faith in responding to his leading yields some amazing things. And those amazing things happen in our lives and, and in the lives of others. And so today we look at faith and works. And this is one of those that you know, everything that I teach on and I preach on, I, I can only do out of the outflow of what I have been um, 
taught and learned and working on myself. And this is one of those things that has been uh, very tightly uh, bound to me because of my own journey. And and so we're going to look at faith and works and the way we build our faith and how God wants to reorient how we do that and kind of this this journey that we need to take that, that I've been on and continue to continue, uh, to c- continue to progress in uh, with Christ. And so to start with, we're going to look at this grand look at Scripture because it's going to be really important, but it's going to be quick. So we're not going like, to go through like this, this whole big thing, but I want to kind of give this, this, this meta-narrative look at it because it's really important to understand how it applies in the way that we exercise our, our Christianity. So let's begin, and so after we do that, then we're going to look at some, um, some more direct, practical ways and kind of narrow in what that looks like for today. All right, you with me so far? Okay, so let's begin in the beginning, in the book of Genesis. We're introduced to a guy named Abraham. Now, he's an important figure in religion um, as the largest faiths in the world flow from Abraham. So he's kind of an important guy right? He's in the beginning. Everything kind of flows out of that. Most uh, of the religions, uh, uh, the most populous religions in the world today. And so one of the things we must learn and not just learn, but know about God is that God is and always has been a God of grace. God is and always has been a God of grace. And sometimes that message and that identity gets lost in the shuffle, but that's really important to know. As God sets out his purposes for the world, this is what we find out about Abraham, Genesis 15, 6. Abram, this is before his name was changed, believed the Lord, and he, God, credited to him as righteousness. All right, so let's jump way ahead to Romans 4. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. This is Paul talking to the Romans talking to kind of Jews who kind of became Christians. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. God counted Abraham as righteous because of his faith in him, because of his trust in him. Not because he did enough, but because he relied on God for everything. God's covenants, his promises for his people began with a relationship based on faith. This faith is a trust in God, but it's a growing trust in God. We don't just arrive there, right? You don't get introduced to a, uh, to a mutual friend, and all of a sudden you have that same trust for them, right, as you do with, 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 with a friend for, that you've known for 10 years. No, that trust is built over time. But often we have missed that our, our relationship with God is based on this growing trust more than it is anything else. And layer upon layer, we have to build that. So how often do you think about your trust level with God? Like, how often does that thought come upon you throughout the day, throughout the week? So today we begin this layer, looking at this layer, and that will grow over the next few weeks. 
So God said Abraham was righteous, meaning he was made right, meaning he was acceptable because of his faith. To what end? Genesis 26, 4, I will make your descendants, he's talking to Abraham here, as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. God's ultimate purpose that he started with Abraham is like, I want to bless the entire world and I'm going to do it through you. God has always desired to bless the world. And we have to keep this in mind as, as we continue. So later on, God chooses, uh, God chooses that the blessing of the nations will occur instead of through Abraham, through the nation of Israel. So God started out with this very wide approach and then narrowed in into one nation. Now, God's covenant was based on keeping the law. Okay? Now, the law was important because people needed to know what was okay and, and what wasn't. The purpose was so God would have a people to himself that would display his love and blessing to this world, to, to the world. And so at this point, so before that, righteousness was, was, was maintained by faith, right? So we see that part. So when, when the law came after, after the exodus, righteousness was maintained by keeping the law, Okay. And so the system was in place and the law was in place because he didn't want humanity in the world to be harmed, but to be made whole. That was the whole point of the law. And it would be accomplished as Israel kept the law and followed God and trusted him. Okay, so quick review. We got Abraham, all right? Righteous by faith. Then God moves to Israel. Righteous by keeping the law, okay? And then we move to Jesus. All right. So Jesus comes on the scene and he fulfilled the law and all its purposes. Jesus showed what happens when you trust in God and do what he says. And so now we get back to this place that Paul was talking about uh, in Romans. Let's, let's look at Romans 3, 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going back to the original way that God designed it that we are made right by our faith in God. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. And then a few verses later, he says, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So, Here's the picture. We, because of the work Jesus did on the cross, are made right with God, not by keeping his commands, but by our faith in him, just like Abraham was. And so we are free from the law. And so we are free, and because of God's grace, he sees us as righteous because of our trust in him. And this is kind of like the paradox. As we grow to trust in God more, we actually end up keeping his commands more. And that's the, that's, that, that's the thing about this. It is through our faith and through our trust that we're made righteous, not by the things we do, but as we, as we trust in God and, and, and as we draw closer to him, it actually we, we develop this desire to keep those things that he, and do those things that he asks us to do. 
And so all of a sudden, we, we go from this place of like, oh, I have to do these things and it sucks, to, oh, I, I really want to do this. I get to do this. There's a difference. So why is this important? Because it's far too easy in our religion to become more concerned with the rules. We call them rules, those laws. We call them rules now because we don't want to call them laws. But that's, that's what they are, right? We, come, we become more concerned about the rules. We become more concerned about how, are, how is everyone keeping the rules and even ourselves. We come, become more concerned with that than with building our trust in God. The Torah, the law, right, what I was talking about earlier, was not Israel's relationship with God. Right? It's, it's this big part of Scripture. It's, it's, it's a big part of the Hebrew Bible. And yet, that was not Israel's relationship with God. It was the means by which that relationship was maintained. There's a difference. The law was how they maintained the relationship, but the relationship was actually with God. They followed him. Sometimes they didn't. And then when they didn't, it, it, it was a relational issue. This leads us in our walk of faith to toil in earning God's love and acceptance. Anyone ever done that? Or maybe it's just me. But I know I've spent a large part of my life in this walk of faith trying to be good enough for God. Always afraid that if I just messed up that one more time, he's going to disown me. Now, I, I know the scripture, so I know that's not true, but that's how it felt. And that affected everything that I did. And my whole approach to God was that I have to earn it. The problem is, we never get there. I never got there. Because I was working for something that was already mine. And that's what we end up doing. We get in this place where we're trying to earn God's acceptance, earn his favor, earn his love, and it's, and it's already ours. And the reason why we never get there is not because he doesn't give it, it's because we can't experience it. We don't know how as long as we remain in that orientation. As long as we're pursuing earning this, we can't experience it. They're not, look, there are moments we do, right? Like there are moments when I was like, man, I did really, really good. And I like, I felt it. And I felt God's love, and I felt his favor, and I felt really good, and then it was gone in just that instant as it came. Because I was on to the next thing, trying to earn again. But it's never enough. Not because I wasn't good enough, or because God was withholding it, was because I was starting from the wrong end. Now, there are some 
and, and, and I've done this before, where we go kind of the other side of that just to kind of prevent that whole, that whole mess. And so we have our checklist, right? And so we do our best to keep that checklist. And if we get most of it down, cool, we're in good shape. The problem is we miss out on so much that God has for us because we just want to make sure that we're like, you know, the positives outweigh the negatives, right? And so when we like, we end up doing that, it's just like, I mean, cool, but like God wants to do so much more with us and there's so much freedom and joy available that we can't access until we're willing to actually walk with him. You know what I mean? So what we find in everything we just discussed in faith and righteousness is that we can operate out of God's love and acceptance, not trying to earn it. That's what I meant when I said I was starting at the wrong end. See, when I start at the right end, when I start with, oh, he loves me and accepts me, and I, and I work out of that, man, it's so much easier. You know, after Jesus was baptized, you know the first thing God said? So this is after Jesus gets baptized, before he actually does anything, okay? Here is my son, whom I love, and whom I am well pleased. Wouldn't you like to hear that? He's saying it. We have to position ourselves to be able to hear that. Not based on what we do. Not based on how good we are. He made us new. Now he just wants to help us walk into that newness. And we can experience that. So I want to deal with a couple things that that kind of help get that that get in that way as as we're trying to trying to walk in that. So watching this terrible show, the worst of the CSIs, CSI Miami. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alvis. I know it's I know it's your town, but it's just it's if you like the show, forgive me. Um, but it's like the one scene when David Caruso's not wearing his sunglasses, and he's. He's like, he's, he's confessing, and he's like, when will it be enough? When will I have made up for all the wrong I've done? And the person who's, who's counseling him says, you'll know when you've done enough. And I'm like, God, that's so twisted. But it's how we often operate. How often are we trying to make up for something? How much are we punishing ourselves? How often are we keeping the scorecard of our rights and wrongs and we end up doing things trying to make up the difference? How often are we punishing ourselves when God is like, you don't have to do that. I already took on all the punishments. You don't have to punish yourselves. And yet we do. God's forgiveness is abundant. Like, 
abundant. Like rain in Louisiana, it never ends. And whatever you're thinking right now, man, not for that though. Yes, for that too. God's forgiveness is abundant. And as we experience that abundance, we're set free. What's required is not trying to make up for things. What's required is not trying to do enough. What's required is repentance. It's saying, you know what? I was going the wrong way here. I'm going I'm to come back, God. I'm going to come back. That's what's required. Not punishment. So when we do the scorecards and, and we have a lot of rights and, 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 and fewer wrongs, we feel content with that. And the problem is, as God wants to bring us to new depths in our character and in our life with him, we resist it because we want to justify where we are. Like, I know I've done that. It's like, I'm doing good. Don't tell me nothing else. <laughs> right? Like, I don't want to know if there's anything else wrong because, like, I'm doing good. Like, two out of three ain't bad. Like, we're doing fine. <laughs> but God's like, hey, let, let me talk about this one thing, and it's going to be even better. Not because I'm trying to punish you, because I want the best for you. You tell your kids they can't have chocolate at 9 o'clock because you hate them? <laughs> no. Some of you are like, um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, of course not. On the other side, when we do the scorecards and we have a lot of wrongs and fewer rights, we feel miserable and shameful. But we don't need to experience that shame either. That's not from him. And he wants us to break free from that. And you begin to break free from that shame by letting yourself be the real you with God. See, the irony is God knows everything about us anyway, and yet we still, and yet we still like, oh, I don't want to give that to him. I don't want to show that. Like, I know that's been my experience. Where, like, I don't want to go to that place with him because it's too bad. Y'all ever been there? Like, oh, no, this is, this is too dark. He'd, I can't bring him there. And so then that, that, that shame has a grip. But as you trust him just a little bit more, just a little bit. Remember the series called Piece by Piece. Not with everything, just a little bit. By letting yourself be the real you with God, what you'll experience from him is not an angry father, but a loving God who wants to forgive you and just and take that from you. Shame keeps us away from the embrace of God, of the prodigal God who says, you've been away. Welcome home. That's what shame does. It keeps us away from that. Little by little, he reveals a little more. And one thing I've learned, because the, the, like I have this thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to try this next thing, but I wonder if he's out of love for me. 
I wonder if we've hit the max. Come to find out? Haven't even started. But it takes trust because everything in us says, no, we can't do that. Our survival instincts, because we needed them, say, no, I can't reveal this because other people have definitely not been loving when they've seen that, right? And so our survival instincts say, no, no, no. But God is saying, just just try it. And so whichever side of the scorecard we're on, a lot of rights, a few wrongs, a lot of wrongs, a few rights, we end up in the same place, striving. When our faith becomes about striving, we stop building, and instead we are carrying a heavy load that someone already carried for us. So if we're building this house, and someone brought over a load of bricks as we're building it, Striving is like taking those bricks, moving them back to the pile, (laughs) picking them up, and then moving them back to the house and doing that over and over again instead of actually building the house. That's what striving is. That's what happens when we're operating at a place of works and not faith instead of faith and works. And so we have two scenarios. Scenario one, works makes us right. But that leads to discontent because we're never, we never actually, we're never actually there. Scenario two, faith equals righteousness and it produces God's good work in us and throughout us. Psalm 4610. I don't know how many times I've read this scripture and continue to read this scripture and continue to come back to it over and over and over again. Cease from your striving and know that I am God. You may know this other translation that says, be still and know that I am God. But a more literal translation means stop. stop and know that I'm God. You can keep working again later, but just stop right here, right now. And you see, like, not like, oh, yeah, you're God, but like, know that I am God. I am right here. I am with you. I am in you, and I am for you. So cease from your work. Cease from trying to be good enough. Cease from trying to earn what I have already given you. I am God, your God, and my love is abundant and not dependent on anything you have done. But my love is based on my love, and I love you. If I was writing a commentary, that's how I would write that commentary for that scripture. But that's just me. And so we have to learn how to rest. What Kim was talking about earlier, you know, when we have this friends give us like, we have to learn how to stop and rest. And I'm not talking about physical rest. Yes, that's important too, but we need rest for our souls. 
in that same Hebrews book and, and all that talk about faith, it talks about Jesus in the order of Melchizedek. Now, it's like, it can get really confusing because it's like, what's going on, all this kind of stuff? What they're talking about there is that Jesus is in the priestly line of peace, meaning he is peace. Everything he did, he created peace. Like, that's what happened at the cross. He set up a system for peace. And so when there is no peace and only chaos, when there's no joy and only anguish and anxiety, when there is no hope, that's when it's time to stop. And know in your depths that he is God. We build our faith and we engage our calling from a place of stillness. And then our work begins. We build our faith and engage our calling from a place of stillness. And then our work begins. I know for me, that was like, I, I couldn't grasp that because I've always had to like, oh, let me do all my work and then I get a break. <laughs> right? Let me do everything I got to do and then I can chill. And God is saying, stop. You need to know me. And then you can do what I've created you to do. I was looking at some practical tips. And by tips, I mean tip because there's only one. But it's a really long one. So, you know, that helps balance it out. So, take time this week and answer these questions in a journal and then share it with a friend. The reason this first step is important is because as, as you kind of journal it, you actually get out what you're really believing and what you're really seeing. Um, because often, like, we can, we can, like, work things through in our head, you know, but actually as you write it down, you're like, okay, this is, this is where it's really at, and we can kind of see what God is doing. So, and then, then, then share it with someone because it, it helps the process start going. Has your faith been a checklist type of faith or a never-ending struggle to be good enough or somewhere in between? So the one thing that's important is that it's not all or nothing. It's not like, oh, well, this is true for my whole life and or that's not true for any of my life. It's like we, it's never all or nothing. We all have pieces of our faith and of our life that are in different areas. One part can be A, 
can be this, 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 this checklist. One part can be, P, can be B, where it's just like this never-ending struggle. And one part can be C, where it's like somewhere in between. It's not like all of you is in one of these areas. And so don't like immediately reject it um, or, or dismiss it because you're like, that's not your full experience. But more often than not, it's, there's parts of us that are in each of those things. And so ask God to guide you as you answer these questions. He's going to bring up scenarios to your mind, and, and so you just let it happen. As you do, respond with one step. What is one step you can take to walk with Jesus from a place of love and acceptance? What is one step you can take that moves you from a faith-to-do list to a life with God that you might be missing out on? Pick one area of constant shame where you need his love and ask him to come and meet you there. But like, actually mean it. <laughs> like, hey, I, th- this is the part that I just, I don't, I don't want to share with anyone, God, so I'm just like, here, take, like, take it. And let him meet you there. And it's just piece by piece. We're not trying to take this whole thing on right now. But take one step, and that's the thing, as we get into this habit of, 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 of building one thing at a time, you turn back a few months later, and you're like, oh my gosh, things are changing. So let's take these steps together. I'm on this journey with you. Trust me. I got a lot of things I'm building. And so let's do it together. Let's stand. And so right now, we're going to enter into our time of communion. And um, we, practice, we practice open communion here. And so what that means is that as you've been here today, if, if you feel compelled at all to just meet with Jesus, you are welcome to share in communion with us. And we want to invite you to share in communion with us. And if that's your first time doing it, I want you to come and speak with someone on our prayer team or speak with me, and we'd love to pray with you and talk about what all that means. And so as we partake in communion this morning, if you're dealing with shame or contempt of yourself and you want to move from keeping a good scorecard to living life with God, come to the table. Come and experience God at the table. The communion table is not just something we do as a ritual. It's a time to experience the redemptive love of Christ. Like his very presence, his very love here with us now. And so if you want to practice like, okay, I'm here with all my shame, God. What will you take me? And then take that bread and dip it in the wine and see what he does and see what he says. Because he has something he wants to share with you. So I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up as well. So we're going to have a team up front and and, and in the back. and Whatever you have going on, I mean, specifically around the things we talked about today, 
if uh, you want prayer for, but anything else that might be going on in your life, if you're seeking prayer, our, our, our ministry team would love to pray with you and pray for you and just and partner with you in whatever you have going on. And so let's worship. Um, there, there's, there's a station under each projector and a station in the back. They're all gluten-free if you have an allergy. And we just, uh, we're going to take the next couple songs at, at, your, at, at your convenience to come and, and take the bread, dip it in the wine, and partake. And so let's worship.